It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Heard the call to build your small business? Make it happen with a .NET domain name, the place for dreamers for 30 years and counting. Visit keepdreamingup.net for tips and advice. Whether you're just getting started or looking to grow, that's keepdreamingup.net. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. It is Packers Deep Dive Tuesday only. We're doing it on Wednesday this week. And Jason Hershorn from SB Nation and Sports on Earth is here to talk about all things Packers. We have a lot to talk about, and so we're going to get to that conversation straight away. I do want to point out, as of this recording, Ahmad Brooks has yet to be signed. There are a lot of signs right now, no pun intended, that he will be signed. Winston Moss spoke effusively with his praise of Ahmad Brooks, what he can do for this defense, how he can provide depth, the attitude that he plays with, the strengths that he has that could provide the Packers with something that they don't currently have. Ted Thompson refused to answer questions about it. So at this point on Wednesday morning, we don't know what the status is with Brooks. One other thing, Joe Hayden was released by the Browns this morning. It saved them a boatload of money, but it also put a former Pro Bowl corner on the market. As long as Ted Thompson is doing things, This is the kind of thing, if Joe Hayden is willing to play cheap and chase a ring, he can provide corner depth for the Packers. Now, Devon House is back at practice, so maybe that's not as necessary. If they're uncertain about Kevin King's ability to play, and and maybe they're just happy cutting Ladarius Gunter, putting Joe Hayden on the roster and, and calling it good. It's not necessarily a move that I think makes the most sense. It's not it's not a move that they have to make. Demarius Randall played well enough on Saturday that maybe you think he can be back to his old form. They love Quentin Rollins. You have Devon House. Maybe that's enough with King and Hawkins and, and whatever else they, they have back there. I'm just saying, if Thompson is willing to go the retread route in terms of a veteran who has been good in the past at a position of need, and, and corner and outside linebacker are always positions of need for NFL teams, it would not be the worst thing in the world to just call and say, what would it cost on a one-year deal if you want to come chase a Super Bowl ring? That's all I'm going to say. With that, I want to bring in our guest, Jason Hershorn from SB Nation and Sports on Earth. He is one of the best Packer follows on Twitter. Follow him by underscore JBH. My friend and yours, Jason Hershorn. Jason, thanks for being on Locked On Packers. Well, I mean, I have to pay the rent somehow. The check is in the mail. Indeed. So, what do you got for us, Peter? So, 
There's a football game that's going to be played on Thursday. I'm not going to go. I'm, I'm going to pause you right there because it's something that resembles football. I'm not ready to call it a football game. <laughs> well, so I was going to say it, it because the stats don't matter and most of the NFL players in it. It's not an NFL football game. It's a football game, but maybe not an NFL game, right? It's this. It's a football game in the same way WWE is wrestling. Oh, that that is that is vicious. What what? There, people will watch it, which is the sad thing, because it's going to be on NFL Network, so a lot of people will have like no choice. And and people like you and I will have to pay attention to it because it's literally our jobs. So if if people who do not have to cover it for a living are going to watch, what is one or two things that they should look for? Well, if they're looking at it from a Packers perspective, which I would imagine they are, given that they're listening to this podcast... There are a couple of position battles that are still somewhat up in the air. I mean, most of the practices have already happened. The big preseason games already transpired. But a few jobs can be won or lost with the way that this final game goes. Uh, I think one of the biggest ones, and we've seen this play out very much recently, is along the offensive line, particularly those last backup spots. And those backups are not very good. We found that out unequivocally on Saturday. Yeah, th- these are not ideal offensive linemen, considering that most offensive linemen don't last the entire year, and the Packers will have to lean on these guys at some point. But yeah, who is going to be the top tackle coming in, should there be an injury, or more accurately, should Brian Balaga not be able to come back for Week 1? That's looking like a pretty dicey proposition. I think right now we have an idea of who the p- players might be, but I don't think we can say with absolute confidence we know who's coming in for Balaga Week 1 if he can't go. What did you think of McCarthy calling himself the captain of hope about these injuries? He's had I was like, some... of all the things McCarthy is, an optimist is really not high on the list. I mean, no, but he's had some great one-liners in his time. Yeah. And some of them, I suppose, would verge on optimistic. Like, we are nobody's underdog. That, that might be the definitive McCarthy yes. presser quote. So I, I guess it's not totally unprecedented, but... Captain of Hope sounds like some Pearl Jam song from like 2003 that nobody's heard of. But is the intro to the Bill Simmons podcast probably. Ooh, yeah, I mean, yes, but damn it, Peter. <laughs> the I I wanted the drop of Mike McCarthy saying we're nobody's underdog, but I couldn't find a clean recording of it to put at the top of the show, so well, unfortunately, we would have to live without it. Well, there's always that Jerry Jones quote that I will not repeat, but you know that you can definitely get clean audio of. Well, clean in the sense of audio quality. Yes, uh, we will not be be running that on this show, but the Packers do play the Cowboys in the regular season. So maybe it's something we reprise for that. One of the things I talked about yesterday was the addition of Martellus Bennett may actually mitigate some of the issues that the Packers would have having to start Kyle Murphy or Jason Spriggs at right tackle should Balaga not be able to go in terms of being able to line a capable tight end up next to that right tackle and provide some help. What do you think of that sort of perspective and that that ability that the Packers now have that really they didn't have last year because Richard Rodgers, frankly, is not very good at that much? Well, in a vacuum, yes, Martel Spendon is a very good blocking tight end. He can line up in line, help out with the right tackle. That could work. The issue 
is that they're already trying to supply help to another offensive lineman. You know, TJ Lang is not there anymore. Jari Evans needs help on a lot of these pass pro situations. So they're already lending him a hand, whether that's with Corey Lindsley or whether that's with the right tackle itself. So if the right tackle also becomes a liability in pass protection, then yeah, you can say you're going to throw Martellus Bennett at him, but Martellus Bennett might end up playing that guy essentially one-on-one. And as good of a blocker as he is, that is not the kind of matchup that results in winning football for the Packers. No, but Michael versus Martellus Bennett would be a hell of a thing to watch. Yes, I I imagine that would go over very well. Unless you're Aaron Rodgers. It it would be interesting. Let's leave it at that. (laughs) Well, and you bring up a good point because the, the Seahawks love to put Michael Bennett on the weakest link of the opposing offensive line because he can do that. One of the few players in the league who can pl- who can line up over a guard or a tackle and be equally capable of beating it and probably more capable of beating a guard, frankly. The Seahawks can put Michael Bennett uh, in front of Jari Evans and then pick an edge guy, whether it's Averill or Clark, and put him on Kyle Murphy should that be what they have to go with. And that's that's scary if you're the Packers offense. Yeah, I'm looking at the Seahawks depth chart for the first time in a while, and I'm just reminded of how absurd their pass rush talent is. Like, Jaron Reed is just there to take up space, and this guy was like the key cog to a national championship winning defense. We just don't talk about him. It's it's really absurd. That's before we get to those linebackers that, while not down-to-down pass rushers uh, the way they are in other defenses, still can rush the passer as well. So, yeah, the the Packers are going to be in a little bit of trouble in pass protection, even if Belaga is back in 100%. So if he's not available, and they do have to run out Kyle Murphy or Jason Spriggs, even if they're willing to help, and we don't know that's a guarantee either, because in the past, McCarthy has been relatively stubborn in his willingness to add help to that pass protection. He He likes having as many receivers as possible. It could become a situation where if the Packers get the ball out in under two seconds, it could be a big play. And if they don't, it could be like a seven, 10 yard loss. Yeah, that was one of the things that that I talked about on the show yesterday. The quick passing game, which has become sort of the en vogue way to deal with pass rushers as a whole in the NFL, especially on the edge. That seems like the most likely thing that they're going to try to do. But the Seahawks play press. And they disrupt receivers at the line of scrimmage. And they're they're a really good defense. So it's going to be a chore, you're right, even if they're full strength. Let's, let's look at the receiver position as a whole. You mentioned the Packers like to have a lot of receivers on the field at once, whether those they're actual receivers or tight ends. Or running backs, frankly. Right. Or running back or receivers who play running backs, as the case may be. But we there are a lot of talented receivers on this roster right now, and they're not going to keep seven, are they? Well, we should start off at the top. Geronimo Allison is not going to factor into this equation because he has that one-game suspension. So they might functionally keep seven without actually having to officially on the 53-man roster. So that helps a little bit with this roster you know, cutdown. The issue is after the top four guys, you can probably make a case for about three, four, maybe even five others, not counting again Allison. So... It's going to be one of the tougher position cuts that the Packers have to face this this uh, at the end of this preseason. What what is your gut feeling on that? Who makes the, who makes the opening day roster at receiver? All right. Well, let's take the obvious ones off the top: Jordy Nelson, Devontae Adams, Randall Cobb. Those guys are locks. I think Trevor Davis, right. barring absolute disaster, 
in the final preseason game is going to get one of those spots as well because of what he can do as a punt returner. And he has shown a little bit on offense. I think we saw that especially the last preseason game. It looks like he's learned a little bit of the nuances of how to play receiver in the NFL. So he's not going to be a featured weapon in this offense, or if he is, it means that a lot of injuries happen. But he's someone who can play there maybe somewhat competently, and between that and special teams, that's probably enough. I think Jeff Janis is going to get a spot because they still like what he does on special teams and because he wants all of us writers to have to deal with the worst mentions possible for the next five, six months. And I think D'Angelo Yancey, the the Packers' highest draft receiver from this past class, I think he's going to make it too. He hasn't flashed all that much since the first preseason game. And reports out of practice have been that he's been inconsistent there as well. But the Packers don't like to cut fifth-round rookies. It's been a long time since they've done so. And he's someone who does show a lot of promise. And if you're trying to project this down the line, he has the kind of body type that could theoretically step in for Devontae Adams if Devontae Adams does leave after this season in free agency. I'm not saying he's the same quality of receiver, but in terms of the type of body I like to have that split end position, it makes some sense. So those are the, the six that I think will make the week one roster. Then Geronimo Allison will come off suspension heading into week two, and we'll see where they find a space. Do you think in some ways that the suspension plays a little bit in their favor in that they will not have to cut that receiver teams will have to get to their full number and then in season would theoretically have to they could cut a receiver and then have a better chance of sneaking him onto the practice purely in those terms yeah it helps them they don't have to make they have to make one fewer tough decision at at the final cutdown. The problem is that they won't have Geronimo Allison, who's definitively one of their best pass catchers, for one of the pivotal games of the regular season. So I'm not sure that trade-off is really worth it, but in terms of roster construction, it does help. Have you seen enough, I guess we haven't seen enough, of, of him in a Packers uniform yet, but in terms of the talent level, the pedigree, and what he could be, is Malachi, Malachi Dupree the kind of player who, if he gets cut, is going to wind up on someone else's 53-man roster, not just practice squad. Based on what we've seen, the very little bit we've seen in the preseason, I would say no. However, I think there's a team that's willing to put in a claim for him based on what they had as their draft report. So if they cut Dupree, it's not a lock that he is claimed, but I would say that you cut him anticipating that another team does pick him up. And we know that there is a feeling around the league that if Ted Thompson brings someone in, that there is a little bit of a sort of seal of approval on that player. That, that that does matter, that Ted Thompson thought enough to draft him and bring him into camp. So that could factor in as well. Sure, and the Packers have been very, very effective at finding quality pass catchers on day three of the draft or after the draft. I mean, that's part of the reason that some of these, some one of these receivers released by Green Bay, whoever they are, is probably going to end up with a nice job somewhere else simply because another team, one, had the need for it, two, looked at it and said, okay, well, we thought, you know, maybe we kind of liked this player before, but if the Packers liked him, it kind of confirms what we already thought. Now, that might be confirmation bias, but it's still the way the NFL works. Uh, this is the, the last thing we'll discuss, and I'll let you go. On a scale from, you know, one to they're totally screwed. What is what is your level of concern for the pass rush given the injuries in the current situation and, and who is available out there right now? As of this recording, um, Ahmad Brooks is not a Green Bay Packer. That could change very well, soon. Well, let's actually discuss this as though he is. 
I, I still think that okay. that pass rush could have some real problems. And this is assuming that Clay yeah. Matthews is healthy, which is something we do not know for a fact at this moment. Also assuming that Nick Perry is good to go, which seems relatively likely. But again, it's not something that we know for a fact. Nor is it something that, that we should count on for 16 games exactly. anyway. That's just given his history. Yeah, these are just guys that do not tend to stay healthy. And with those as your top three pass rushers, when they're healthy, it, it can be effective. I don't think it's a great pass rush. I think it's one that can be competent. The moment any one of those guys goes down and you're relying on either a player who has shown that they can't rush the passer with any great frequency or someone that we don't know how well they can rush the passer. Just at Kyler Fackrell, Jason. Oh, it's not. I mean, Fackrell's part of that for sure, but it's not just him. J. Ron Elliott has not looked effective rushing the passer during this preseason. Uh, at this point, it's not that he is an NFL player. He absolutely is. He has value on defense and has a lot of value on special teams. But he's just not the kind of guy who you can depend on to be a tertiary pass rusher. I mean, unless something changes between now and the regular season, they just, they just can't plan on that, which is, part, I think, part of the reason why they're looking at Ahmad Brooks in the first place. But this is a group that is going to have to have help from the blitzes. They're going to have to get a lot of help from that defensive interior. Like Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark might have to finish somewhere in the top three each in terms of sacks and pressures for this team to have a quality defense this year. That's not impossible, but that's not the way this defense is usually constructed. I think I think given that we're seeing each of them used more in the sub packages, it's more likely than it has been in years past that a defensive lineman could put up not huge sack numbers, but but solid seven, eight sacks. Well, for Mike reasonable? Daniels, that, that definitely seems reasonable. He's been in that uh, area before. Uh, Kenny Clark, it seems perfectly possible. He was in rare form on yeah. Saturday, too. I mean, he was, he was, it was defensive lineman porn on Saturday. Yeah, Kenny really Clark was. is one of the players that I've taken note of during my stock up, stop down notes during the preseason games that never ends up making it simply because the things that he does really well don't so, show up in the stat sheet. And if I include him, it means I'm not including yeah. someone who, you know, XYZ uh, reader is going to be like, well, I saw him do, I saw him have an interception like Kentrell Bryce this past week. Why isn't he in there? But Kenny Clark has played his rear off during the preseason, and it really looks like he is going to come into his own in the next 24 months. Because we have to keep in mind, he spent a good part of last season, last regular season, at the age of 20. Like, he's as young as you can be in the NFL. He enters his second year, 21. He's age-wise like a very young rookie, but he has a full NFL season under his belt. He now has two NFL off-seasons under his belt. And it seems like there might be also have been some physical maturation that is going to help him because he just looks like an animal out there. The comparisons that were made to Mike Daniels seemed a little forced last year. They do not anymore. And he, he's more athletic. I mean, he's running down plays from the backside, he's chasing players down the field. It, it, what he's doing is pretty incredible, and and I, I think it's fair for for Packers fans to be excited about it. Is there anything else, just as we wrap this up, in terms of things that could happen between now and opening day that that you think are worth mentioning? I suppose we should probably discuss, as exciting as it is, uh, what's going to happen with punter because last off season they went through the entire process with two guys that did not make the roster. And this year, they've kind of done the same thing, only there's another chance that the guy who's going to be the punter for the Packers opening weekend is not currently there. Yeah, I mean, the thing about the kicking game is the Packers are really lucky in that Mason Crosby, for the struggles that he had a few years ago, pushed through them, 
rewarded the faith Mike McCarthy had in him. And on the other side, in terms of the other kicking position, punter has been a problem for a long time, basically. Yeah, I mean, Tim Mastay had some really good years between 2010, his first season with the team, and if I remember correctly, about 2013. I think those were actually really solid years, considering yep. the kind of conditions that he has to punt in with the Green Bay Packers. Since then... Now most famous for not being yes. frozen to his face. Since then, uh, Mastay's career has gone downhill. He's no longer in the NFL. Uh, the Packers punter last year, Jacob Shum, who the team acquired between final cutdown and week one is also no longer in the NFL. At least he's not at the moment. So Justin Vogel still has pole position for this job, but we've seen him have a lot of bad punts in between some really, really good ones. But with this position in particular, yep. the Packers have kind of had the attitude, we'd rather have consistently okay than great with bouts of, you know, really poor punting. So I have a feeling that they are going to let him go on final cut time. Maybe that's actually a way that they keep a player onto the 53-man roster, avoid that whole waiver wire carousel, and then maybe make a move between that point and the start of the regular season. So they have a punter on the roster, but they also you know, can maybe sneak a player in the practice where they wouldn't be able to have otherwise. The only hesitation that I would have if I'm the coaching staff in that regard is the holding for Mason Crosby has been a little bit iffy in training camp in the preseason and trying to bring someone in before week one means that continuity is upended. Well, what continuity are you saving really if it's a problem already? Right. No, for sure. But I'm you're now you're regressing once again. So I'm glad we got this riveting kicker conversation in. I'm, I'm glad that you were the first Packers quote unquote expert. I will, I will not leave it in, in quotes for you. Because as I as I told the listeners yesterday, there are a few people who I think know this team better than you. You should follow Jason at by under, or on, on Twitter at by underscore JBH. You should read the things that he writes for SB Nation for Sports on Earth. And you should get to know him because he's a nice guy. I'm the guy. best guy here. <laughs> people, people love me. Thanks, Jason. And before we go, just a quick reminder. If you do want to sponsor this podcast, if you want to advertise to men 18 to 44... We have that demographic, and it would be great to have you sponsor our podcast. So if you would like to do that, or you know someone who would like to do that, who would be a good fit on this show, please email me at peter underscore Bukowski at yahoo.com. You can always follow me or send me a message on Twitter at peter underscore Bukowski. I am reachable in so many different ways that if you want to sponsor this podcast, please do that. So. We will be back tomorrow, our last podcast of the week. There is one more preseason game tomorrow against the Rams. There is still roster spots to be won and lost there. Even though the starters will not play, we have a couple guys hurt. So there's going to be opportunities for guys like Kyle Murphy and Jason Spriggs to prove it one last time. Lindsey Pipkins at corner. Can he come up with a performance that gets him on this squad and maybe pushes Ladarius Gunter off this roster? And as Jason and I talked about, there are still decisions to be made at receiver. We don't know right now who the favorites are on the back end of the roster. Is it D'Angelo Yancey? Is it Malachi Dupree? Who will be the guys? How many are how many of the Packers going to keep? We don't know the answers to that either. So those will be decisions that will have to be made based on week four of the preseason. And we have seen jobs won and lost in week four. I know it's the preseason, but we have seen guys solidify their spots and lose their spots on the roster thanks to their play in week four of the preseason. 
That's it for Wednesday, August 30th. We will see you tomorrow on Locked on Packers. And you should always stay Locked on Packers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app, and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. The Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.